Hello and welcome to the show. You are watching Unbossed and I am Nina Turner. And in the co-host chair today, we have none other than Dan Evans. And Dan is a TYT contributor. Dan, it's so good to have you back on Unbossed. Great to be with you as always. As I'm with you, it's really, really meaty stories to get to, so I'm excited. Yeah, we do. And we're gonna start off with the granddaddy or grandmama of them all. And that is the United States Supreme Court decision on affirmative action. The Supreme Court strikes down affirmative action. One step forward, three steps back. Now this week, you all know that we gave here on Unbossed the Supreme Court some credit about redistricting matters. And unfortunately, we knew it was just a matter of time before this court went back to its true form. This headline right here explains it all. Supreme Court strikes down college affirmative action programs. The ruling is the culmination of a decades long effort to end the consideration of race in admissions. The Supreme Court, and we're gonna unpack this a little bit, and Dan and I, we're gonna talk about this, but let's unpack it through the lens of the media, what was written about it. The Supreme Court on Thursday struck down affirmative action programs at the University of North Carolina and Harvard in a major victory for conservative activists ending the systematic consideration of race in the admissions process. The court ruled that both programs violate the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution and are therefore unlawful. The vote was six to three in the UNC case and six to two in the Harvard case in which liberal Justice Kataji Brown Jackson was recused. The decision was hailed and no surprise here. The decision was hailed by prominent conservatives who say the Constitution should be quote colorblind end quote with former President Donald Trump calling the ruling a great day for America. Now the conservatives who put this up and put Dan up, Dan I'm just ready to have a conversation here. I've been unsettled all day. I'm unsettled even right now to this moment, but I want to kind of unpack some of what I just read here based on the reporting. So the conservatives who have been fighting for this for decades, which means that liberals should have foreseen this coming. You know, I'm, I'm, and I can't wait to hear what you have to say about that. That's just me. A systematic consideration of race has been in this country. I mean, the nerve and the gall, the pure unadulterated nerve and gall to say that systematic, that they don't want things about race to be considered the systematic. It's been systematically and systemically, this country's always considered race. And it's been the race of wealthy ass white men, affirmative action for them for the longest time. And then they broaden out the definition of what it meant to be white. The court also ruled that these programs violate the equal protection clause in the constitution. Really? They just not coming to that conclusion. What about the equal protections of black Americans in this country for decades after decades? Affirmative action for white people has been then, not just my opinion, we got receipts, has been 
the modus operandi in this country since it was founded. And now all of a sudden, they think they have religion. They want a colorblind society. You and I, I would love to be able to say that this was a colorblind society, that black people were not judged because they were black and then other marginalized communities, other ethnic and racial groups. But that is not the fact. If we think about de facto and de jure, you know, what happens in reality and what happens in law. There is a conflict there between the two and the lived experiences. And I'm using black people, I am centering black people in this because all other ethnic and racial minorities derive the opportunities that they have received in this country off of the backs of black people. There's so many excellent points there. And I think one thing we'll get to in a moment, but to also centers that the Democratic Party, if there are any kind of institution worth their size and worth their muster, then they would have a way to fight back against this decades long Republican attack against affirmative action. Whether it's reframing it and lying about it to the point where people actually don't realize that white women benefit from affirmative action a lot. People yes. actually don't realize that within the Asian American population, Asian American and Pacific Islander, you're talking about dozens and dozens of countries. There are some folks overrepresented in that. There are a lot of groups underrepresented in that. And so for Asian American and Pacific Islander folks who have, like black Americans, like a lot of other Americans in this country, have been hit by socioeconomic inequalities and things that are constantly keeping these groups down, such as a party trying to make sure that their access to higher education and opportunities to get outside of that struggle are constantly beaten down. There has to be consideration for that. But no, this is like you're saying here, a lot of these covers, a lot of this to just say, let's put down black people, let's put down minorities, let's put down as many people as we can and get rid of their college opportunities because of some perception that equality is an attack on them. And it's wrong. And the fact that we even have to fight on these grounds shows how much ground the Democratic Party has lost. Yeah. I- and you know, I was just thinking, you know, as I taught African American history for many years at Cuyahoga Community College, and we talked, you know, teaching my students about the civil rights movement and the dynamics of that movement, about what happened in the 40s and the 50s, and then the culmination of it in the 60s, and what happened even before that. And to think that that was something I taught about because I read about it, you know, I didn't live it. And now in real time, multiple generations, from X to millennials to Zs are living through times that we thought were already taken care of. Your point about Asian American students, and I got to shout out Francesca Hong on this. She put out a tweet and it says, note, Asian American students were used out of convenience to maintain power structures of oppression. Our communities must speak out against being pit against one another to uphold white supremacy. So your point is not lost on some of our Asian and Pacific Islander sisters and brothers and and Francesca, she always brings the thunder, the lightning and the rain. You know, where are these other groups and standing up for this? Because they come for black people, they coming for all people. And then Eli Mistal, you know, the journalist, writer, you know, has a wonderful book out. He even wrote an article in the Nation magazine, which I encourage people to read. But he tweeted, the Supreme Court ended affirmative action. The how of it is not very interesting. They killed it because they could. You know, let's rest right there. They did it, sheer power grab because they could, and they've been working decades to get to this point. What are Democrats? Democrats don't play the long game, they play the short game. Republicans play the long game. They did it because they could. He goes on to say, but why? Well, because affirmative action was the only policy where the whiteness card got revoked. 
Hello, drop the mic on that. Affirmative action was the only place where the white car for the most part got dropped except for as Dan laid out, white women were the biggest beneficiaries of it and Olay lays it down very strongly. Now, so Justice Kataji Brown weighed in on this. She gave a strong, and I mean strong, take it to the hole in their face, drop the mic, a dissent. A dissenting opinion against what the majority did. A tragedy for us all is this headline. Supreme Court Justice Jackson blast the majority's affirmative action ruling. Now she goes on in her opinion and we're just taking a preview, sneak preview of it. I encourage everyone to go in and read it for yourself. With them let eat cake obliviousness, today the majority pulls the ripcord and announces color blindness for all. By legal fiat, Jackson wrote in a thundering dissent to the majority court ruling Thursday. She goes on, but deeming race irrelevant in law does not make it so in life. History speaks in some form, it can be how heard forever. The race-based gaps that first developed centuries ago are echoes from the past that still exist today. By all accounts, they are still stark. There it is, that's it. I mean, that is really the summation of the justices dissent. It does not make it real. De jure and de facto, what is done in practice, what is done in law. And there are countless black people still walking the face of the earth who can tell you because they lived through it or they heard stories about their parents living through it. The difference between somebody changing a law and what actually happens in practice. And history does speak. If we think about the reconstruction period, when the feds pulled out of the South, all of those laws, the 13th, the 14th, the 15th amendments to the Constitution, yeah, they were out there, but they were not enforced because the same people who had full control in that moment retook control after the federal troops pulled out. We can name countless examples of that. This is a painful day. You know, Dan, one of my close colleagues of mine, and she teaches history as well. She said, you know, people are saying that this set us back 50 years. She believes it sets us back to the Douglas Washington debates. That in fact, and this is a great point, this ain't gonna just stop at education. No, this is gonna reverberate through all, all, all pillars of society, just like Plessy versus Ferguson in 1896. I think that's a strong point. It's reverberating through a lot of aspects of society because like we said, it's a conservative project to delegitimize centers of education. Call them these things like woke or say that they're misguided and they're indoctrinating the youth. Say that they're not serving students properly and that these actual educational students are the reasoning behind poverty. And that's why people are graduating from schools out of work as opposed to looking at the material conditions that are causing so much money to rise at the top. Meanwhile, productivity at the bottom is higher than it ever should have and has ever been before. So it would make the most sense that we're all benefiting from that. All of us, especially to raise up the wrongs that have been done historically. But no, by taking 
and by attacking this through the courts, through the legislature, through the media, all of this is a deliberate approach to go against so much progress that we tried to fight against. And to the point of your history teacher friend, they're fighting against even teaching that history. Yes, so yeah, yeah. I, I think it goes back even further because to come back and to make progress, you need to know where people came from, what mistakes they made, what successes they made. And it's harder and harder to get that information even today. Yeah, it really is. Excellent points. And you know what? The president needs to expand the court, period. This is not unprecedented. Yesterday. Yesterday, right? It has been done before. So for all the people who, you know, the, the, the brunch bunch who saying that it cannot be done, we already know what the conservatives are gonna say. This is not radical. It has been done, and there is nothing fixed that says that the court's configuration has to stay the way that it is. The president of the United States should call upon Congress instead of standing up there giving us platitudes, acting like he's powerless. Do something, Mr. President. For what? Do something. He is not helpless. He is the most powerful man in the free flipping world. I mean, hell, if he's powerless and all the folks that don't come, oh, you being unfair, you being too harsh, there's nothing he can do. Damn it, we got more. We listen, we got higher expectations of toddlers than we do of the president of the United States of America, or at least I do for my toddlers, than a lot of these brunch bunch folks do. For the President of the United States of America and the Democratic Congress, they control the United States Senate. Expand the court, get rid of the filibuster, stop playing games and acting like you don't have no power. Hell, if you ain't got no power, then leave. Don't even run again if you're this powerless. But you know what, Sister Olay, back to this point, Sister Olay laid it down in another way. She gave us something else to think about as we deal with the saga known as the United States Supreme Court just ripping away affirmative action. Here she is. We need to talk about white women and white women's role and where we find ourselves at today in society. And I don't mean that as an indictment of you white women, but I mean that like y'all need to call a meeting and convene amongst yourselves because this isn't actually the rest of us problem or anything the rest of us could do. because. White women are the only marginalized or minority group in their mind um, that vote <laughs> that vote overwhelmingly Republican. The ones voting in service <laughs> in service are, are, are better yet in disservice of your own interests. White women are the reason why fucking Roe and abortion is no longer a right, which again impacts them most. And same thing now with affirmative action, which again impacts them. Depending on how you slice it, it's white women's fault if you think about it as RBG should have. Retired when people asked her to. Here's the thing, America's a racist country, so things will disproportionately impact black, brown, and marginalized people. But the reality is, white women treat abortion as their flagship issue. They act like that's the epitome of a white feminist issue, but look at them, look at them. Overwhelmingly, anyway, y'all, Amy Coney Barrett, RBG, that's for them too. Thank you, Olay, dropping the mic in the way that it needs to be dropped. This is another side. Justice Kataji Brown laid it down to drop the mic in her dissent, and Olay just dropped the mic right there. So, I, you know, Dan, I, I just, it's exhausting, you know, and they want us to be exhausted. I mean, we're about to come up on the celebration of, of the founding of this country. Uh, July 4th is right around the corner. You know, men who wrote the words actually owned other human beings at the time. 
And that legacy still reverberates to this day. That is what Justice Kataji Brown was laying out in her dissent. That is what we are laying out today. This stuff is 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 frightening, and it's very dangerous. The course that this country is on right now, we are going backwards. This is backwards. Yeah, there's inherent, um, just like counterbalances. There's inherent things that don't make sense with the stories that are told about Independence Day and this like land for all versus how affirmative action is used as a wedge issue by the powerful, largely a white, rich, like male powerful elite to put wedges against different minority groups against black people within different classes because there are wealthy black people who think affirmative action doesn't help them at all either. So it is amazing to contrast that history. As long as we can keep teaching that history, which kind of just shows you the kind of country we're in right now. Yeah, it really does. And just a reminder to folks, the Democrats do, again, hold the majority in the United States Senate. It takes 50 votes to do away with the filibuster. So stop playing games, y'all. For all of the people making excuses, I can't, Dan, I can't wait to hear what our viewers have to say. But the people standing in the way of expanding the court are the Democrats. Constitutional. Constitutional originalism, which is what conservatives are like arguing is, oh, this is the reason why we want these Supreme Court justices because they will abide by what the Constitution originally says. Like you so eloquently put, Senator Nina Turner, has nothing like nothing in the Constitution mentions the number of Supreme Court justices you're supposed to have. Joe Biden said, hey, you know what? Let's just add more. Let's just add more. Why not? And if the, mean, Repul- the, if the Republicans add more, okay, and the Democrats will add even more. Let's keep playing this game out because that is what is already happening behind the scenes. That's right. And it, it's, you know, people are saying, well, when, when is it going to stop? Well, it'll stop when it stops. Just Mitch period. McConnell, Mitch McConnell took a Supreme Court justice off the seat when he was yes, he delaying did. and filibustering, saying, hey, you know what? Until there's an election because of an arbitrary rule I created, the Supreme Court now has eight Supreme Court justices. That that makes the Senate majority leader in that case more powerful than any Democratic president because there's Obama wasn't really talking much about that. Again, he was leaving, so whatever. But he had quite the platform to do it from. And then Hillary didn't really make that much a point about it. Now Biden's not making much of a point about it. Do the Democrats really care about this, or are they just using it to get votes? Vote for us so that we can fight for these things, maybe, or at least say, oh no, when they happen and fundraise off of it. It's frustrating. Sorry, That's exactly what's going to happen. They, they fund. They did the same thing with abortion when they could have codified Roe. Roe could have been codified under President Obama. You he know, campaigned on it, and, and and they didn't do it. See, Republicans when they got control, they throw all caution to the wind. They really don't give a damn what you say about them. They're gonna use that power, Dan. And thanks for reminding us about what what uh, Leader McConnell did when he had the power. He's like, oh no, we too close to the election. Oh no, no sir, no sir, we will not be sitting a justice. Just not going to do it. And guess what? He did not do it, and there were no consequences or repercussions for his actions. The earth still spun on his axis. Democrats do not know how to use power. And they need to let some folks in there who know how to use it to use it. And stop playing these games. Get rid of the filibuster and expand the court. And we don't want to hear your foolery. Y'all fundraising off of it right now, the big bad Republicans. Y'all control two levers of power in the federal government. The last time I checked, you control the presidency and you control the damn United States Senate. The last time I checked. And the Congress before this Congress, you controlled all three 
levers of power and didn't do a damn thing with it. Yeah, this lie, this is at the feet of the Democratic Party. Elections have consequences, America. And the Democrats play games. Every time they get the power, they play games. And they allow these Republicans to run roughshod over them in the name of bipartisanship. And when the Republicans get the power, they don't they they say the hell with bipartisanship. We got pure, raw power and we're gonna use it. And you know what? And in times when they don't have like direct power, they say we're gonna wait y'all out. We're gonna win governor's mansions. We're gonna wait y'all out, Democrats. We're gonna win state legislatures. We're gonna wait you out, Democrats. And when we get the power, we're gonna appoint, uh, uh, appoint Supreme Court justices who gonna be there in time and memorial. Hell, people living a lot longer. And hallelujah to that. But damn it, these people are young enough. Some of those people in that court on there young enough to, to be there another 40 years if God gives them grace. Shame on you, Democrats. For letting this happen. And damn it, Republicans, you just don't have a soul. Republicans, I'm ooh, we, Lord have mercy. You know what? I know Sachi trying to get me to move, then I can't without throwing me some damn papers in the air. I don't have all my papers ready, y'all. But you know what? This is how I'm feeling right now. This is it. I'm just over it. Oh, good Lord, we're gonna come back so I can get myself together. Wrap your mind around it. We'll be back. Welcome back to the show. As you can imagine, I'm still boiling over. Put Dan up. So Dan and I just got some breaking news that the President of the United States of America was on MSNBC. Now I'm paraphrasing, all right? These are not his exact words, but I'm getting the gist of it. When he was asked about expanding the court, he said he expressed some fear that it would polarize us as a nation. What? I mean, politically for a very long time. I don't know if he said the word forever. But Dan, I'm trying to understand what country he living in right now. We polarized as hell right now. Rights are being stripped away left and right on the on the state and federal levels of government. And this man said in an interview, he he fears that we're gonna be polarized politically if he calls on Congress to expand the court. Dan, I just I can't. This is the exact like. I feel like ever since I've paid attention to TYT since like the 2010s to now, like this is the exact issue with the Democratic Party. Joe Biden is accepting the framing that, oh, we'll politicize the courts. Again, we're not hearing this verbatim, but like the idea that the Democrats will be politicizing the courts and this will be the first move and it'll be irrevocably changed or irrevocably broken. What do you think the Republicans have been doing for the past 40 years? What do you think Bush v. Gore in the 2000s was? That's like, it. What, what do you think any of these abortion? Like, look at how the country feels about it. Look what state laws and local laws have been about that for years, for decades. And look at what this court has done. So to say and concede just outright, oh, we can't do that because then I will be the guy who will have politicized the court is insane to not immediately go out and go, the Republicans have been politicizing the court forever, forever. And by the way, we did not start out with nine Supreme Court justices. No, we did not. 
the Constitution says nothing about the number of Supreme Court justices, and there should be as many as it takes for there to be actual neutrality in these courts, or at least term limits of like, I don't know, one session or something like that. Because this is insane, what we're already seeing with Alito and Justice Thomas just from this session, and all the shady dealings they did on cases they ended up ruling on. We have already have an extremely politicized court, an extremely corrupt court. Joe Biden can't just go, Oh, well, I don't want to make the court corrupt. Like you're saying, like what country is he living in? What country is he living in? God help us, the brunch bunch, Jesus Christ. Let me just go into the comments real quick and then and I will be making up for lost time. But I'm telling you all, this is painful. You got to understand this, Dan and I need two hours or more. This is serious. We only had a segment, this is serious. Like this is life altering, generationally serious. All right, Twitch, Unicorn Dragon, notice how people aren't protesting. You know, Unicorn Dragon, if this was in France, they would be pouring in the streets. Paper Dragon, the Dragon Squad is in full effect today. When you live in a position of privilege, equality seems like oppression to you. You better say that, thank you. YouTube Super Chat, Henry Gibbons, love you, Nina. Thank you, Henry, I'm sending that love back to you, baby. Airship Wright. Law enforcement should be colorblind, hiring should be colorblind, Lyndon should be colorblind. When these things are colorblind, the Constitution can be too. You know what? You know what, Airship, right? You dropped the mic on that. You, when those things happen, then we'll have a conversation. Amen to that. Ooh, my, our, ooh, our viewers are absolutely the best. TYT members, Mickey C, the silver haired dragon. Hey, Mickey C, oh, good. Since the SC wants college admissions, the Supreme Court wants college admissions to be fair and balanced, they will eliminate legacy admissions. You got that right. My stunt double talked about that too. And giving preferential treatment to students of the super wealthy, right? Right. Thank you, Silver Hair. They ain't gonna touch that. And then Mountain Dragon, the Queen Nina Turner and the great Dan Evans. So glad to see you two during these tough times. Definitely a horrible day when the Supreme Court strips rights and we lose the iconic Dr. Christine King Ferris. We need to stick together, uplift and fight the peaceful fight together. Dr. King's sister is sorely missed during these dark times. Oh my God, thank you so much. Thank you all, all, everybody. I know we couldn't get to them all, but Dan and I really do appreciate you. And you guys are really, you you all are wise. We need that. Are we going to, us? you know, let me settle, let me transition. I'm settling, I'm having a woosah moment, just going to get through this. Senator Mark Wayne Mullins challenged the president of the Teamsters to an MMA fight for charity after the viral banter at a Senate hearing in March. What do you bring for that salary? What do I bring? Yeah, what, do you, what, do you, what job have you committed or have you, have you uh, uh, started? What job have you created? One job other than sucking the paycheck out of some other body, somebody else that you want to say that you're trying to provide because you're forcing them to pay dues. And no, we don't force them. Senator, you've asked the you're question. You're out of line. Let man. Actually, the I have question. It. No, don't tell me I'm out of line. You are in line. Don't tell me I'm out of line. Well, you, you, you frame, don't tell me. You I'm frame, making you a frame, statement. You frame the statement. statement. You need to shut your guy. mouth yeah. because you don't you're know what you're talking about. You're going to tell me to shut my mouth? Yes, yeah. I did. Hold it. Hold it. Tough guy. I'm not afraid of physical. Hold it. But don't sit there and tell me I'm out of line. Senator. You made a statement, you asked the question. I didn't ask the question. You did, you did. I answered question. the question. You asked the question, 
about how well, much money rhetorical. you made. Let him answer. It was, rhetor it was a let, rhetorical Well, question. you may think it's rhetorical. It sounded was rhetorical. to me like a question. Let him answer the question. I'm not yielding my time to him. So if you're going to let me keep my time, that's fine. You'll have your time. Oh, he got checked by a real one. Because <laughs> the, the president of Teamster did not care about that pedestal that he was sitting on. He let him know. You're not going to talk to me like I'm a kid and tell me to shut up. This tweet right here from Sean O'Brien, greedy CEOs who pretend like he's self-made. In reality, just a clown and a fraud. Always has been, always will be. Quit the tough guy act in these Senate hearings. You know where to find me, any place, any time. See, they ain't ready for that. They ain't ready for, they not ready for that. He was not ready. You don't mess around with no union man. He let you know, baby, we will take it all the way to the streets. Meet me in the streets anytime, anywhere. Now, here is the response from Marky Mark. An attention-seeking union teamster boss is trying to be punchy after our Senate hearing. Okay, I accept your challenge. MMA fight for charity of our choice, September 30th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'll give you three days to accept. He know, now he know he don't want none of that. that ain't number bravado talking. Gonna get his, as grandma used to say, he done wrote a check. His behind is not gonna be able to cash. And she used the other word. No, Brian would certainly win, no doubt. The concept of fighting disagreements out in duels is not unheard of. So for those of you who are saying, oh my God, I can't believe they going. Oh, they going there. But there's some historical, this ain't the first time this happened. On July 11th, 1804, Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr met on the dueling grounds at Weehawken. New Jersey to fight the final skirmish of a long-lived political and personal battle. When the duel was over, Hamilton would be mortally wounded and Burr would be wanted for murder, the duel. Oh, It has happened. Dan, we got another type of duel going on. Marky, I shouldn't even mess with Marky Mark like that, but this guy, the Senator and the President of the Teamsters, Mr. O'Brien. I've always said Mark Wayne Mullen sounds like a racist version of what an American name sounds like. Like this is what Europeans go like, oh, it's Billy Bob and Mark Wayne. Like this is what, this is what those Americans be up to. No, um, I don't know if we really quickly have the first graphic um, of the pedestal thing that they were doing. Yeah, that's very funny because I love how you were saying, oh, he, Mark Wayne's getting on a pedestal. Look who he's doing himself. And no disrespect to our short kings out there. I remember uh, Professor Robert Reich before his classes would carry yes. his little pedestal. With them. So no disrespect, but on the one hand, I don't love that you're getting to our elites. If we're calling the Teamsters like union member elite, maybe not. But um, I don't like this whole perspective where we're getting towards Elon Musk fighting Mark Zuckerberg, now Mark Wayne Mullen fighting Sean O'Brien. But um, this is a decrepit society and I need entertainment. So I don't know, let it be the undercard, let them fight, let's go. <laughs> the undercard, let them go. Oh, there it is. Now on to much more serious matters. We started off serious, we gave a little levity, and now we're going back on the serious brick road. Mississippi Sheriff's deputies fired after black men alleged torture and attempted sexual assault in a $400 million lawsuit. The two victims are Michael Jenkins, 32, and Eddie Parker, 35. And this took place in January earlier this year, January of this year. Jenkins and Parker, who lived together at the time of the alleged assault claimed in the federal lawsuit, the deputies entered their home without cause or warning. The deputies beat, waterboarded, stunned, 
sexually violated and attacked them with racial slurs, the men say in the lawsuit. The lawsuit alleges that the officers lobbed race-based insults at the men and angrily accused them of dating white women. Here we go, always at the center. They allegedly handcuffed and beat the men before they shot them with tasers 20 to 30 times in a sadistic contest with each other as to which taser would be the most effective when fired against these two victims according to court documents. Further, the officers then put the two men on their backs and poured water on their faces in an effort to waterboard them. The lawsuit claims before they sexually assaulted them with a sex toy. The evening ended when an officer put a gun in Jenkins' mouth while he was handcuffed, according to the lawsuit. The gunshot allegedly shattered Jenkins' jaw and severely lacerated his tongue. Several of Jenkins' arteries were severely damaged and he almost died, it says. He was then left alone to seek aid, the court documents allege. Let's put up the picture. Of Mr. Jenkins, the race is no longer a freaking factor in this country. The family of Michael C. Jenkins took a photograph of him in the hospital about two weeks after the shooting. The family's representatives say says Jenkins has lost the ability to speak because his tongue was surgically surgically removed due to Damage by the bullet, but you know, racism, anti-blackness does not exist in the United States of America. Just go ask the United States Supreme Court. While the Sheriff's Department would not say how many deputies were relieved, a spokesperson said all those at the scene were fired. After the internal investigation, the lawsuit says six officers were at the scene, though it named only three, including Deputy Hunter Elward. Elward, the officer accused of shooting Jenkins, was previously involved in the death of Damien Cameroon, a 29-year-old black man. A grand jury declined to indict Elward last year, citing a lack of evidence. Do you got enough fucking evidence now? Do you have enough evidence now? Go on, Dan. It's oh, put, what, wait, put up his smug shot. Put the man up. Yeah, it's important to kind of see what these people are doing and what they're like. Because, yeah, in regular life, they can kind of live with themselves for doing this, not once, but being a second time offender of this kind of violence. Uh, Mississippi, there's a lot going on down there. I think I was hearing Benjamin Dixon talk about this really well on his show earlier today or yesterday about a similar story. There's a bunch of stuff going on in Mississippi, which are modern day lynchings that are worse still being mandated by the police. Okay, and so we already know these stories about the police on the rare chances that they get disciplined or get desk duty or whatever these things are actually get fired. They just get sent off to some other police department around the country. Okay, that's happening. But in Mississippi and in other places, they're just acting with total impunity in here. So it's an absolutely disgusting story. The idea that he was allowed to get to that kind of case and get to that kind of reason. And under these justifications, yes, this is a modern day lynching, which should be taught in 
classrooms around the country as for why it is something we do not want to repeat again. It's not critical race theory. It's barely even history because it's happening today, yesterday, and unfortunately tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm not surprised. I'm disturbed, but I'm not surprised that this is Mississippi, the great pianist, singer. A civil rights activist herself, Nina Simone, had a very famous song, Dan, about lynchings, black bodies swinging from popular trees. Title of it, Mississippi Goddamn. Mm -hmm. I encourage people to go listen to it. It is just as true today as when she sung it. I'm telling you, I just don't know how much more they want us to take, really. I don't. And it ain't no time to be cool, calm, and collected and clutching pearls and trying to be politically correct and on mainstream media talking about you don't want to disrupt, you don't want to set politics back. Set them back. On to the petty big role. I mean, I, I just, it, this is an unsettling day. And the problem with today, is as Dan laid out, we're gonna have many more unsettling days in the 21st century in the United States of America. Baby, if your hair ain't on fire, something is wrong with you. If you still making excuses for politicians, be they Republican or Democrat, something is wrong with you. It ain't nothing wrong with the people like me and others who are standing up and calling it just as it is. And we might not be doing it in the most politically correct way. Political correctness is out the damn door when people who got power are sitting up here causing life injury. Destroyed the man's tongue, they are warped and they are sick. And not only should they be fired after the thorough investigation, they need to be charged. Period, because they are a blemish. And this is not what good law enforcement officers need these clowns sitting up there doing it. But you know what, America, this ain't new. Go roll the tape of the civil rights movement. Roll the tape of firefighters using their fire hoses. Roll the tape of police officers using, using their dog police dogs to maim and bite black people. Roll the tape of the Edmunds Pettus Bridge. Yesterday, today, and damn it, it seemed like forever. We sick of it. And no, we not gonna be politically correct. I'm not going to be politically correct. I don't have no pearls to clutch. Damn, DeSantis and Christie. Take a look. Do you believe that Trump violated the peaceful transfer of power? a key principle that of American democracy that we must uphold. Are you in high school? Uh, yeah. So uh, I wasn't anywhere near Washington that day. I have nothing to do with what happened that day. Obviously, I didn't enjoy seeing you know, what would happen. But we've got to go forward on this stuff. We cannot be looking backwards and be mired in the past. He wasn't anywhere near Washington. Did he have a TV? Was he alive that day? Did he see what was going on? I mean, that's one of the most ridiculous answers I've heard in this race so far. You know what? Far be it from me. I mean, hey, some Governor Chris Christie is absolutely right, and I'm glad that he's checking DeSantis. And DeSantis is going to ask that person, "Are you are you in high school?" No, DeSantis, are you in high school? We got to go forward. We can't keep looking back. No, that's that's exactly. You don't want us to look back, and you sure enough guaranteeing that children won't learn history. 
So one thing you have to give Governor Chris Christie credit for that unlike a lot of Republicans, he is not afraid to go after Trump or DeSantis or anybody else. He gonna lay it down the way he sees it. Now DeSantis was originally speaking at an event in New Hampshire when he made those asinine juvenile comments. DeSantis also denounced the attack in 2021, but in 2022, he had a different approach because you know what? He don't have conviction. In 2022, DeSantis reiterated that lawbreakers should be held accountable, but he mocked continued news coverage of the insurrection, of course he did, comparing January the 6th to Christmas for DC New York media and suggesting the attention was a way to attack Trump supporters while deflecting from problems plaguing the Biden administration. Man, are you kidding me? Are you actually serious? Florida? Y'all owe us, you owe the rest of the country because this is the disaster that you have given to us. DeSantis at the time also said, cuz we got receipts. When they try to act like this is something akin to the September 11th attacks, that is an insult to the people who were going into those buildings. And it's an insult to the people when you say it's an insurrection and then a year later, nobody has been charged with it. The man is just out of his mind. And of course, we know multiple people have been found guilty of seditious conspiracy since then. No matter what trough, both Christie and DeSantis probably won't catch Donald Trump though in this GOP primary race. Polling updated two days ago indicates that this is where the polling is resting. And you see President Donald J. Trump right there, 57%. DeSantis is losing ground and you got Chris Christie at 2%. Dan. I I will say this as a neutral political observer (laughs) as much as I can say that sentence, at least for the Republican side. Chris Christie is a gain, a wonderful gift to the Democratic Party. He's just gonna come in there, he has no chance of winning and he's just gonna wreck through the entire thing. So I love that he's just throwing haymakers at DeSantis, throwing haymakers at Donald Trump because one thing Chris Christie gets, I guess that Donald Trump also gets that Ron DeSantis thinks he gets is that Chris Christie and Donald Trump, their appeal is that they don't talk like politicians. They give straight talk, they're willing to just say, "Oh, actually he's lying. Oh, What was he even doing? Was he even alive? You wanna talk about crime? Let's talk about Trump here. Like he talks like someone who's you know, like popping off at the bar, like you know, popping off just like in the street or whatever. That, that's the sort of populism that I think people like from politicians, Bernie as well as the same thing. You look at Ron DeSantis, he's calculating, he's sly. He's maybe doing the politics and maybe doing those kinds of things. And we'll be spinning that rhetoric on Fox News or whatever. But in addition to having the charisma of a piece of bamboo, like he's just not a good, he doesn't understand that this is not, this is a purely vibes world in politics, all right? He doesn't fit the vibes. He's doing politics and policy barely, but he doesn't have the vibe of what people want from politics, which is someone who actually tells it like it is and isn't rehearsed. So this stuff is gonna, you know, if it is being seen by Republican primary watchers, it's going to maybe resonate with them. I hope it will, because at least it's funny to watch Chris Christie tear through them all. Yeah, it is to be continued. And this is not, you know, DeSantis, he wants to get rid of major agencies. For a man that has such a disdain for government, why is he in it? 
I mean, government would be a lot smaller if he just says, hey, I'm out. I'm not gonna run for governor anymore. I'm gonna run I don't want to run for president any longer because I just hate government just that much. He's using his government to ban books, right? Like there's no one bigger government in this country right now than Ron DeSantis, if you really yeah. want to get into that point. So yeah, he's he's a weird political project and also like a demon, if you ask me. Oh, I, I say the son, one of the sons of Satan, because there are many. Take a look at this. Are you in favor of, of eliminating any agencies? I know conservatives in the past have talked about closing the Department of Education. Would you do that? So we would do education, we would do commerce, we do energy, and we would do IRS. And so if Congress will work with me on doing that, we'll be able to reduce uh, the, the size and scope of government. But what I'm also gonna do, Martha, is be prepared if Congress won't go that far. I'm gonna use those agencies to push back against woke ideology and against the leftism that we see creeping into all institutions of American life. So for example, with Department of Education, we reverse all the transgender sports stuff. Women's sports should be protected. We reverse policies trying to inject the curriculum into our schools. That will all be gone. We will make sure we have an accreditation system for higher ed, which is not trying to foment more things like DEI and CRT. So we'll be prepared to do both. Either way, it'll be a win for conservatives. Either way, it'll be a win for conservative, a great take in this country back, not win for the majority of Americans. The man has no clue. He doesn't want to serve. He just wants to have a rampage. That's all. He that's all. Does not have one bright eye. Nothing. He should not even be running for president. Now, this just further adds it just his failed war on woke. He doesn't even know what the definition of woke is, like many of them do not. And this is both Republicans and Democrats because the term woke was co-opted. It means something the black community meant it an entirely different way, but never let the truth get in the way of a good story. So DeSantis tried to ban the teaching of critical race theory in higher education through the Stop Woke Act. But a federal court prevented the legislation from applying to public colleges and university, calling it positively dystopian. Thank you for that, he's a failure. That's exactly what DeSantis is, positively dystopian. But before he even thinks about wanting to get rid of the Department of Education, he should educate himself on campaign finance violations. Let's start right there, the sanctimonious. How a border photo stunt could end up costing Ron DeSantis. DeSantis went to Texas-Mexico border on Monday for a campaign event, but he also got a tour there with taxpayers funds. And his campaign took advantage of a photo op. And here is the photo in question. This is it, trying to look cool. Looking corny as hell, and this mission, stop the invasion, status, critical, lead, man, whatever, you playing games. Now the helicopter DeSantis posed in front of is property of the Texas Department of Public Safety according to Federal Aviation Administration records. And experts say his use of Texas government resources for his own political purposes appear to constitute a campaign finance violation. Y'all better go ahead and go get them. Go get him. We're gonna continue to report on this madman known as DeSantis, AKA DeSanctimonious. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., RFK, participated in a town hall. Take a look. You know that the vast majority of Democrats 
fully and consistently have supported President Biden on his support of Ukraine in this war. You are you seem to be out of step with the own party, the voters that of the party that you're asking. That about. doesn't make it right, Elizabeth. That does not make it right. We need to be a moral nation. We need to restore our moral authority around the world. If every Democrat is against me on that, I'm still going to say it. We spent, we printed $300 billion to bail out the Silicon Valley Bank, and we topped off Ukraine at $113 billion. Oh, we don't have, we have money, plenty of money for the big shots who need their bank bailouts and for any war that comes along. But if you took that $113 million, that billion that we've given to the Ukraine and spent it here, we wouldn't have to, to cut $1 from food stamps for that 30 million Americans. And all of these money that we're spending on the military is not making us safer and it's not making us friends abroad. There it is. RFK, you did that. You right there? You did that. And I like then I like how he said, you know what? We we should be a moral nation. And it don't bother me if all the Democrats want to go in an immoral direction, I'm gonna keep standing. So good. I'm so happy that him, Marianne Williamson, and Dr. Cornell West had the courage to step in the gap and run in 2024. Yeah, it's important for this sort of like line to be open because this is the Democratic Party. This is during an administration where they have the incumbency advantage. They have no intent or desire to break with their party traditions. The same tradition that said that Hillary Clinton was a great idea to elect as well. But they don't want to get past this tradition of what they give as a present to their quote unquote party leader as the president. When in reality, the president is out of step with not only the rest of his party, but the rest of his country. And so yes. it would be the right thing, it would be the smart thing to do to open up this debate to, you know what? I, I hate that I'm saying this because I dislike the Democratic Party, but I want some party to act in my interest. It would be better, it would be lead to a stronger Democratic Party if you had these debates, if you had this conversation actually get hashed out. And Joe Biden had pressure kind of like uh, was supposed to be had from Bernie Sanders and that wing in the 2020 primary, which you That's saw right. somewhat, but at least you're seeing in labor most of the time. But there'd yeah. be that pressure that Joe Biden would take into a second administration where, hey, I would hope that without having to worry about pre running for presidency again, he would feel a little bit more confident to say, you know what, let's add a Supreme Court justice or two, because this is how we're gonna level it out. You know what, let's do some of these laws that'll actually help people. Let's invest money, let's do Build Back Better, yeah. but not wait for some senators to get their heads out of their asses. And Dan, right? like, you know yeah. what, and and you absolutely right. We in News Nation, let me, let me put out there that that town hall clip that we showed about RFK Jr. talking about Ukraine, it was News Nation. We got another clip to respond to, and I know we only got a few more minutes left in show. With all that toxicity between candidates as of late, here's what RFK said about that, take a look. I'm for de-escalating all of the poison and the hatred and the vitriol, so you know, Whoever it is, whether it's against you know President Trump or President Biden, I you won't hear me saying like bad things about President Biden. I like President Biden. I've known him for probably 40 years, and this campaign is not you know is not about criticizing him. And I tried not to do that. If there's a policy I disagree with, like the war, like censorship, like the you know lockdowns, I'm going to criticize those. But I'm not going to attack him as a man. 
And I'm not going to attack President Trump because we've had enough of that. We need to figure out a way to start talking to each other and to start healing each other and stop, you know, just hating on each other. This polarization is more dangerous than it's been in this country since the Civil War. And as RFK Jr. again, News Nation Town Hall put Dan up and he's saying, look, I'm simply here to talk about the issues. And if we disagree on the issues, we will have that conversation. But I'm not about to get personal with any of these candidates. I am running because I think I can do a better job. Refreshing, Dan? Yeah, it's a strong strategy to not only just talk about policies, but to kind of make that your standard by going, I'm not going to dig into Donald Trump's strategy or dig into this whole game of lowering politics. I'm going to represent as many of these sort of third party candidates are doing, just an entirely different way of doing politics, not tethered to this binary system. So I appreciate that town hall for that. Yeah, I do too. How quite refreshing. And again, I got to repeat, I am happy and just big ups to Marianne Williamson, RFK Jr. for stepping up to the plate and not being afraid to challenge this part, this party, the Democratic Party and their power and saying I'm going to run because I believe I can do a better job. And big ups to Dr. Cornell West for saying not only am I going to challenge, I'm going green. I'm going to shake things up in the green in the green party and the third party and challenge that power to all three of these people. We owe a great debt of gratitude because they did not they're not they're they're fearless. And going up and going up against an incumbent president and fearless, knowing that the system is going to try to barrel down against them. Because as much as we say we don't have a monarchy in this country, people, politicians, sure get get offended when you run against them, thinking that they own the seat, and they don't own the seat. He doesn't own the presidency no more than I own the seat that I served in in the Ohio Senate. So there we go. People have a right to run. So run, RFK, run. Run, Marianne Williamson, run, and run, Dr. Cornell West, run. And hell, if anybody else want to jump on in there, y'all do it. The water is fine. Well, that is our time for today. So glad that Dan Evans was here today. This has been a very heavy day. I, I, this Too much is going on in this country, but I still believe that there are promises in the problems, and we can make these things right, but we can't sit idly by. You know exactly what I want you to do around this time. I always, always want you to keep the faith, even though God knows it's becoming harder and harder to do. I will admit that, but we must keep the faith, and more importantly, we must keep the fight. Until next time. Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network like The Damage Report with John Iderola, Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow, and if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.